in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. good is it that we can continue our series on Jesus is. In the last few weeks, we've been looking further and further into this amazing, amazing God, Jesus. How thankful we are for him. And today, I have the opportunity to talk to you about Jesus, the provider. Jesus, the provider. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to add a twist to this. I'm going to say Jesus the provider, but do you really think he is? I mean, the Bible tells us that he is the provider, but do you actually really think he provides all your needs? Many of us here are going through different circumstances and we're feeling that we're hitting the end of our rope. And we're going, is Jesus really the provider? So this morning, I'm going to be speaking about the one of the most beautiful miracles in the Bible, and that's the feeding of 5,000. Do you know that that is the only miracle that is referenced in all four Gospels? It must have been such an important miracle that the, that the apostles thought that they were going to put it in each of those books. And today, we're going to look at that, and we're going to look deeper into it. And if you go home today, look it up, because each and every one of them offer a new perspective to this amazing story. They just add something extra to the story. So Jesus is the provider. Do you think he is? In 1998, my husband and I bought our very first home. You know, we were excited. You get your first home and and you have the energy at that point in time to renovate. Don't have it now, but I had it then. We did the painting, we did the polishing of the floors, we did everything to try and make our home look that beautiful. It was pretty run down when we got it, so we put a lot of effort into it. And everything was going well. We had our little girls. They were really tiny then, and we were really excited. But then 2008 hit. And in 2008, in November, we got rain. And that doesn't matter. We're used to monsoonal rain. And we've never had a problem before, but the school across the road did some renovations. And they also changed their oval. And if you're a surveyor here this morning, I don't understand this stuff. I don't know how it all works. But somehow, what they succeeded in doing was that all the water that accumulated after the monsoonal rains pooled up together and became a tsunami towards my house. And it just ran in between two houses. It had a current. Believe it or not, it had a current. And it it ran between these two houses and went directly underneath our house. 
Now, that seems to be okay, but the problem is it took the whole oval with it. And so not only did we get the water, but we got the dirt and the grime. And we've all been through the floods recently, and we go, oh, yeah, I know what that's like. It's hard work, isn't it? But the problem with, with it was it didn't rain just once. It rained multiple times throughout November. We would just clean things up. We lost things. We lost our freezer and a whole bunch of stuff, all the stuff we had stored underneath. We put our car in to get checked because we thought we might have lost our car. But it didn't just rain once. It rained multiple times. And we continued to do that. I remember standing at the window looking out when it rained. And instead of feeling joy for Brownsville, I actually felt absolute terror, thinking, oh my goodness, I can't do it again. To add to this story, my friend lent me a car when we put ours in to be serviced because we didn't know if it had water damage. And when we went to return it to her, being the good Samaritan and good person that I am, I went and I took it to one of those car places and I vacuumed it out only to back up and whack right into the pole and took the whole side of her car off. And as you sit there and you're gripping the wheel and I just go, I can't, I, I just can't do it anymore. I can't take it anymore. One of the nights when we were so busy cleaning up this mud, I decided I'd go to McDonald's because that's what you do, right? You go to McDonald's to get dinner. I've been there plenty of times before. I was driving out of the Nathan Street McDonald's and I turned right, and there was a police officer right across the street. Apparently, I wasn't supposed to do that. Pulled me over. The poor woman, I really felt sorry for her because I just started sobbing. I couldn't do anything else because no one cared what was happening in our home. We approached the council. We approached the school. Nobody would listen to us. There was even one point I called the school when one of these rains came, and I said, you need to come now. You need to see what's happening. They said, we'll be right over. So we went down, and we had our umbrellas, and we were sitting there, and we were waiting for them to come over and see the tsunami of water. And I looked over, and I saw them get in their car and drive the other way. Nobody cared. I was at the end of our rope. At the end of our rope. This is where we're going to enter in to this amazing story of Jesus. Jesus providing in the story of the 5,000. Watch the screen. So Jesus is the provider. What I want to do is I want to set this in context for you. What was happening at the time of Jesus feeding the 5,000? We know just before that, Jesus had received the news that John the Baptist had been beheaded. Jesus, being fully man and fully God, felt all the pain and all the anguish of losing someone he loved. And the disciples we know in Mark, Mark tells us that they had been around, they had gathered around Jesus and they were reporting to him all that they had done and taught. And scripture goes on to say that then because there were so many people who were coming and going, that the disciples didn't even have 
a chance to eat. They were tired. People had been around them all the time. We know what that's like, don't we? When we're hungry and we just want to rest, Jesus was feeling the pain of losing someone dear. So Jesus recognized they needed rest. He said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So what did they do? They got in the boat and they started going across. Now, anybody who knows, if you go from one point A to point B, you can watch the boat go. And that's what the crowds did. They watched Jesus and the disciples go across and they followed. So by the time they got to the other side, the crowd just followed them all the way around and came up. And the interesting thing about this is Jesus, in all his fatigueness, taking on man's form, and all his grief, he looked up, and he saw the crowds coming, and he had compassion on them. One of the gospels says that when Jesus lifted his eyes, he had compassion, and he, he saw all these people were like sheep without a shepherd. You see, these people were coming to find something to fill this void in their life. They wanted to know more about this Jesus. And Jesus looked at them and all he saw were people in need. And he put aside his own need and he had compassion on these people. But we know at this point in the Bible that everyone was hungry. Not just the disciples. No one has eaten. And if you read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the disciples' answer to this hunger was, just just send them away. Tell them to go into the town and get their own food. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus goes and he says, he looked at the great crowd coming toward him and he turned to Philip and he said, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? So he sees all of this. He turns to Philip and he says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? But this part is what got me. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in his mind what he was going to do. Jesus already had it. He knew what he was going to do. He knew when my house was flooding, he knew what he was going to do. When you are going through life and you think that you've hit the end, he knows what he's going to do. Jesus knew what he was going to do, but he was testing Philip. Why was he testing Philip? Because Philip had just experienced all of these miracles. He had just seen Jesus do countless miracles. And then he's faced with this problem of feeding 5,000 people. And Jesus asks, well, what do you do? So what was Philip's response? How did Philip respond to this? This is how he responded. He answered, well, 200 denarii worth of bread is not enough for them, for each to receive just a little. Philip went into analytical mode. Well, this is a big problem, isn't it? Now, well, this is what we need to do. And he went through the process of going, well, you know, we got to use 200 denarii just to feed a few. And do you know what? It was, to me, it was almost like an attitude. Like, Jesus, 
Because do you know how much 200 denarii was? That was working 200 days, 12-hour days. So what Philip was actually telling Jesus here was, it's impossible. It's not going to happen. Just saw Jesus do miracles, turned around and told Jesus, it's impossible. Interesting, isn't it? He just told, and then, and then, the other disciples weigh in. So we see the other disciple, Andrew. Simon Peter's brother spoke up and he goes, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among the many? It's almost kind of like, okay, okay, Jesus, we just want to prove our point here. This is all the food we could find amongst these 5,000. Now, the Bible says 5,000 men, but it didn't account for the women and the children. And so what some, some scholars say is there could be, have been up to 20,000 people there. Hmm, that's a lot. Can you see that just bringing that meager lunch to Jesus was kind of saying to him, you know, Jesus, look at, look at, we brought this boy with these, these loaves and fishes, but it's not going to do. Jesus, it's impossible. But the interesting thing to this story is that the small boy with the fish and the loaves, he could have hidden it. He could have not shown anyone. We don't know how he was found. We don't know if he came and offered it. But what we know is he gave it up. He gave up what he had. That little boy had more understanding of Jesus than the disciples. He gave all he had to Jesus. He gave everything. It's amazing that we go through life and Jesus blesses us and we see things, but as soon as something hits that we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, somehow we fade. We we think it's impossible. This scripture this morning is to tell us nothing is impossible. The Bible is full of scriptures like this, full of scriptures to reassure us that you might be here this morning saying, you have no idea what's going on in my life. I shared with you a story about a house. It's just a building. But there are people here this morning that are hurting much more than just a building. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's your children. Maybe there's sickness. Whatever it is, Jesus is telling us that it's not impossible. Not impossible. Mark 10.27 said, Jesus looked at them and he said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Did you get that? All things are possible. Philippians 4.14 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through Jesus who gives me strength. Whatever comes my way, I can do all things 
Not just some things, all things. Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear. Do not fear. How many here this morning are afraid? I was afraid. I was afraid of another slosh of water under my house full of mud. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How cool is that? Doesn't matter what we go through in life, what happens, Jesus is going to hold us through everything. This house, what happened to my house? Well, my husband and I had often talked about maybe buying someplace else. If our house was quite small inside. There was not much room. And so we were thinking maybe one day we'd like to get a bigger home. But whenever we went out looking for a house, we always went to this one area that we loved. And we, we really weren't taken with any place else. It was this one area, but the problem is, is we couldn't afford it. And so one day when all of this was happening, my husband was on the internet and he was looking. And he saw this house in this area that we'd like. And it had just, I mean, just gone on the market. They didn't even have the for sale sign up yet. He said, call the real estate. Let's just go and see. So we went, and women, women, you all know what I mean here. You know how you're, you go and you like something, and your husband goes, mm, nah. You know that feeling? And then men, same thing. You think something's pretty cool, and the women go, you got to be kidding. There's always that banter between husbands and wives until you come to an agreement. Well, we walked into this house, and we both absolutely loved it. We just had this affirmation in our heart that this was supposed to be but it was way out of our price range. We could not afford it. So what did we do? We just offered a ridiculous price. We said, here, this is what we can afford. This is what we're going to give you. This is all. The counteroffer came a couple of thousand dollars more. That is it. We went, what? We bought a house. And then we did The wrong thing, because we hadn't sold our other one yet. So now we have a house, and we haven't sold the other one yet. But our God is great, and our God is good. And so what happened was, there's so many miracles that took place from us purchasing the house to the time that it settled, that I don't have time to share with you this morning, but we got the house. We ended up getting the house. But, you know, our God is bigger than just giving us a little. Did you notice in the story of the 5,000, after he fed the people, they had all they could want. And then they had to send baskets around, and there were 12 baskets full of extra. Our God just doesn't bless. He blesses abundantly. Now we purchased a house which was bigger than the house we had, and we had no furniture. So my husband said something else ridiculous. He said, why don't you ask them if they'll sell their furniture? I went, who sells their furniture? They're going to need their furniture to move into their other house. Okay, I'll ask. So I did. They said, yes, you can have it all. 
So for a very meager amount of money, we purchased all their furniture. And we moved into a new home. That's the home we moved into, which is a beautiful home. I had pictures before. I just forgot to press the, the um, button to show you. But we are so incredibly grateful for this. But do you know what? It's a house. It is just a house. But Jesus saw our need. He saw where we were, and he knew what we needed. Do you remember back when he told Philip, what are we supposed to do? How, where are we going to buy food for all these people? And Phil, and he already knew what he was going to do. There are people here this morning who are hurting. And you think there's nothing else that's going to happen. Nothing, nowhere else you can turn. Jesus already knows what he's going to do. He already knows. He's got you. He loves you. And you know what? That blessing is going to be abundant. It might not work out the way that you think it should, because I tell you what, I had many ways of solving that problem with the house. It certainly didn't turn out the way that I thought it would. There's so many times I try and figure God out to solve my problems. I become a Philip and I analyze it. And I think, God, if you could only heal. God, if you could only do this. If you could only, if you could only get me a better job. But God's plan is so much bigger than that. So it goes back to that question. Do you actually believe he provides all your needs? Do you actually believe he's got you? Because if you're in that difficult time right now, he's telling you he does. He's telling you he's got you. Through all my life, whenever I've gone through difficult times, I don't know why this scripture, but it's such a powerful scripture to me, is the one that Jesus always gives me. It's this. Oops, someplace. Whoop. It's this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. So God's thoughts, they're not my thoughts. And my ways, the way I want him to do it and finish it and bless me is not his way. He's not going to meet you in your difficulty the way you expect him to do it. He's going to do it his way, and it's going to be so much better. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So this morning, this is to encourage you that no matter what circumstance you're experiencing or may experience in the future, because we live life that God cares, and that our God is a provider. And that he knows your tomorrow. Let's pray. Jesus, we're just so incredibly grateful that you are the provider. That you see our tomorrows. And that you already know what you're going to do. We don't have to rely on us. Our figuring out what we anticipate is going to happen. 
All we need to do is be like the small boy who brought everything to you and said, Jesus, take it and use it. This morning, there is a lot of people here, I'm sure, that are hurting. And Lord, I pray that you will meet them in their need. That this message that you gave me will be an encouragement to their heart, that they're not doing their journeys by themselves, but you are walking with them and you know what tomorrow holds. Father, teach us to bring our all to you. The little that we have, we lay at your feet. Now, Jesus, I pray that you have your hand upon us as we go out into this week. May we always remember, Lord, that you never leave us and you never forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen.